0: Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly in Youngsville, Louisiana, where it's our vision to be a place to meet with God. We pray that you will find this message to be both encouraging and empowering as we go deeper into the Word of God through spirit-empowered, life-giving, Christ-centered ministry. For more information about First Assembly or to catch up on previous messages, you can visit our website at firstassembly.place. Come on, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Come on, that is a powerful, powerful truth. I want you to know that, that the enemy, he wants to silence the mouths of the church. Come on, I, I want to I just say today that, that we are not going to back down from the works of the enemy in this church. Amen? Come on, we, we can, we're going to stand against the works of the enemy. You know, the truth is that there's no shortage of arguments and there's no shortage of, of thought processes that, that are against the church and against god's work here on this earth and i want you to know that we don't do not fight a physical battle do you recognize that we don't the, the battles that we fight although they have physical implications i want you to know that they are not physical they're not carnal but they're spiritual in nature but we're in a battle not a physical it's a battle of our minds it's a battle for our culture it's a battle for our children it's a battle for for our schools. It's a battle for our community. And as we just get an understanding that there's many people out there that, that, you know, we used to be able to read the Bible. I mean, think about this and just say, well, the Bible says such and such and such. Do do we recognize that today the Bible, people don't even recognize the Bible as being the authority on earth. You know, there's been such a deception on this earth that the Bible is not enough. To be convincing. You know, there's more books right now on leadership than I've, than ever before. If you go look on 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 bookshelves and on, on bookstores, you know, the even the way that that they market these things is success and being a leader. How many of you recognize that that everybody's a leader? Come on, every every everywhere we go, every time we go to the school, just the leader in me, leader in me. We're more we're more focused now on the 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 internal person of each individual than we are on who God is and teaching them the principles of the Lord. You know, even 50 years ago, books on success took a a dramatic change and a dramatic shift. So I was doing some research, and and 50 years ago, a, a guy, he began to study and research all the success books and how success, even the definition of success, has changed over these past 50 to 100 years. Used to, success was all about corporate success. You know, think about World War II. Think about World War I. And think about, I mean, even uh, John F. Kennedy, he said, you know, think not what you can do for, or what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Think about how far we are from that statement today. You know, that's all affected by the way we think, by the way we process, by the way we identify ourselves. We're, we're simply creatures of, uh, individual creatures. We're not part of a greater community. Jesus puts it this way. He said he calls us that we are a kingdom, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Those books on success used to be corporate success, and then it's now it's shifted to personal success. But see, because we've totally lost track, we totally lost contact with the idea of the the greater good. You know, we even even a lot of times in our own service, we have our eye on who's watching when we're trying to serve others. Why? Because because we want to make sure that who's the, get the credit is given to where the credit is due. But I want you to know that, that that type of culture existed some 2,000 years ago. And we don't have to live like that any longer. That we have Jesus now. Jesus changes everything. I want you to know that if we just begin to filter all truth of who we are. All truth of who God is. Through the lens of Jesus Christ. That our complete way we understand life and understand each other, and understand ourselves, completely changes. It's. I know this seems like this is basic Christianity. Joe, what are you talking about? We believe in Jesus. I want you to know that it's not enough to believe in Jesus. Can we go to Matthew chapter 8? And we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 27. Matthew 8, 18 through 27. And I'm just going to read that out. It says, And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. And he was talking about to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, Let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep, that being Jesus. And then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, for we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful? O you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? I just want to put this into a little bit of perspective for you here this morning as we look at this story in such an incredible story that just very much kind of teeters on, on even belief. That Jesus, the Son of God, He he was in a boat sleeping and He just calms the storm. But to put it into a little context, there's some pretty amazing things that had just happened there on the seaside. If you turn back in Matthew to to chapter 6, you see here that Jesus preached His sermon on the mount. You know, probably one of the most powerful, the most intricate, the most uh, thought-provoking messages ever preached on a single day. If you haven't ever looked at and studied Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, I want to encourage you just to begin to read that over and over and over and over again and let the truth of what Jesus Christ said and taught begin to permeate your very being and your very nature. I want you to know as we begin to have an understanding that Jesus taught in those Beatitudes, that the things that He taught there about the poor, the things that He taught there about those who have lack, it will totally transform how you think about how we treat one another, that Jesus had—he has the answers that go far beyond any of our own comprehension. You know, at that same time, he preaches this amazing message, and people's minds begin to be changed, and they begin to be encouraged by the words of Jesus. And then we have instances where lepers and those who were sick are healed of their leprosy. Come well, on, th- those who were outcasts, those who were set aside they begin to just supernaturally, miraculously be healed right there in front of everybody. I want you to know that being healed from leprosy was something that didn't happen every day. Come on, these things were documented. These things were seen. That even people who don't even believe that Jesus was the Son of God believe that He did miracles like healing the lepers. That He did miracles like healing the sick. You know, we see here right before these... these, these verses of Scripture in, in, in Matthew 8, 18 through 27, that Jesus, He, he heals this centurion's son. And there's this incredible story about authority and what it means to walk in authority and to be submitted under authority. That this is just an incredible moment in time where Jesus goes into to His best friend on earth, his, his his disciple Peter's house, and He heals His wife, and His wife begins to serve them. I want you to see that, that Jesus is... Is, is ministering there on the seaside, and there's people who are demon possessed, and the demons are cast out. It goes on to say that Jesus, in that moment, healed everybody who was sick. So just kind of get the grasp of that. That there were people there, I don't know how many people, could be four, five, six, ten, twelve thousand people there on the seaside, and every single one of them who were sick that day who asked Jesus to heal them, he healed. I want you to know that Jesus was right there in the midst of one of the greatest revivals of all time, where 400 years had gone by and God was totally silent, had not spoken to anyone about anything, that there were no prophets on the earth until John the Baptist came. And in that moment, Jesus preaches a message and then revival breaks out. There's healing, there's demons being cast out, there's people being uh, healed from leprosy, there's deliverance, there's, there's service, there's all these things that, that we aspire to. As a church. I want you to think about that. On that water's edge that day. The miraculous things that were taking place. Around Jesus. And then we find ourselves here. Right at Matthew 8. 18. And I want you to. This is is just a few points of context. That I want you to get today. Get this morning. I believe that this is so essential. For who we are and what we are doing. Today. In our country, in our nation, and in our future. It says here that in in 8.18, that Jesus saw great multitudes and he gave a command. It says he gave a command to depart to the other side. I want you to just get that image right now. I mean, think about this. You have Jesus who he's preaching this Sermon on the Mount They have all these miraculous things happening. And I mean, it's like total revival happening, total incredible. I mean, God, it it does not get any more uh, into the absolute manifest presence of Jesus than on this day, the miraculous work of Jesus. Jesus gives a command and says, Go to the other side. First of all, I don't, it totally baffles me that Jesus gives a command at all. Come on, many of us today think that Jesus just wants to set us free. He just wants to heal us. He wants to make us happy. He wants to make us joyful. He wants to make us successful. I want you to know that following Jesus requires us to be obedient to his commandments. And Jesus said at that moment to all of his disciples, he said, depart to the other side. Seems pretty simple. But could you imagine what his disciples were thinking that day? Now, keep in mind, if you look in the book of Mark and in Luke, it's kind of getting toward the evening time. The sun is going down. I mean, think about what the disciples, the same thing that we would say, what do you mean, Jesus, you want to leave? I mean, my word, look at this crowd. I mean, think about the possibilities, Jesus, of what can be accomplished here today. Think about all the outreach ministries that we can start. Think about these awesome worship services that we can have. I mean, think about the small groups that we can get kicked off here this morning, Jesus. Think about all the great things. That this crowd is going to break, Jesus, you've got them eating out of the palm of your hand. They're doing everything that you want them to do. And Jesus says, no, let's go to the other side. Jesus, what are you thinking? Why are you leaving? Don't you realize that they they adore you, Jesus? In fact, they're even beginning to have these conversations about making you the king. Jesus says, let's go to the other side think about that question what is on the other side what do you mean like Jesus we're, we're here we've got all this stuff going on it's totally awesome remarkable amazing and we don't even know what's on the other side I mean we don't know what's over there it's getting dark can't we just wait until morning can't we just wait till it's more convenient can't we just wait till we can see I mean look Jesus okay hang on look you see the the sky over there I mean look there's a storm brewing Maybe we ought to just wait until a more opportune time. But Jesus says, let's go to the other side. See, Jesus was in the middle of a huge revival meeting. And he says, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Come on, he says, in fact, he says, follow me. He says, follow me. The real question is, Jesus wanted to see who's willing to follow me. Come on, I believe that here this morning we have a message that's the art of following. You know, we talk about everybody's a leader. Even in our schools, we go and we teach our lead programs. I'm not saying that we're all not leaders, but I want you to know some of the greatest leaders that are on this earth have the ability to be the greatest followers. Come on, they understand the principle that it's not always me first. Come on, Jesus was telling him, I, I know that, that we've got to that we're doing awesome things. I see that people are here, but we need to begin to test. Why are they following us? Are they just chasing after the miracles? Are they just chasing after the healing? Are they just chasing after bread and, and fish? Or are they chasing after me? Do they understand who I am? Jesus is saying, who's willing to follow me? You see, following Jesus isn't necessarily about results, is it? Come on, I I know people who have great, wonderful ministries. And by God, I pray that God continues to bless them. He continues to encourage them because lives are being changed. Hearts are being transformed. Souls are being saved. But Jesus says it's, it's not just about the results. Don't get so caught up about the results. I mean, my word, we've got thousands of people here. Everybody's healed. Come on, in today's church, I get excited when one person gets healed. Come on, that's, I know there's angels rejoicing in heaven when one person gets saved. Come on, I want you to know that everybody that day was healed. Everybody that day believed. But not everybody that day was willing to follow. You see, it's not about the results, it's about obedience. You know, are we going to be able to be obedient to the commands when Jesus gives them? Come on, we may find ourselves in some pretty awesome places. I've been there myself. This journey that me and Shannon have been on for the past six years has been totally incredible. I, want you, I just want to encourage you here this morning to be open to what God's speaking to you. To have your ears turned towards heaven. To be paying attention when God begins to speak and show you things that maybe you don't have a full understanding of. Because he's trying to speak to you. He's trying to give commandments to your life. And don't be looking at your circumstances saying, well, Jesus, it's all great. I want you to know he may be just calling you to the other side. You see, I, I believe that Jesus saw a greater need than what was right in front of him. Jesus saw a greater need than what was right in front of him. You know, it wasn't Jesus. I mean, this is just to make sure we're, I want to contextualize this properly. We're talking about Jesus. Okay. If Jesus was willing to leave the crowds, if Jesus was willing to leave the accolades, if Jesus was willing to retreat to the wilderness, if Jesus was willing to to say it's not about me, but it's about the will of my Father, how much more should we be willing to say the same thing in our lives? Jesus is asking if we're willing to follow him into the unknown. If we're willing to follow him into the storms of life, if we're willing to follow him into the depths. You see, following Jesus isn't just about who believes in, in, in him. Right? Come on. We know the scripture verse that says it, the, the, the demons themselves believe and tremble when they hear the name of Jesus. It's not about, well, you know, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Yeah, I, I want you to know I believe that 100%. But there's something that's going to cost you. That there's a following that needs to take place. That walking out this Christian walk is more than just, just simply saying I believe. It's simply just it's not it's more than just saying I accept Jesus into my heart I want you to know he wants you to accept him into your life as well come on he has a purpose and a calling for you and that purpose and calling may lead you to places that you've never been before you know Jesus never said accept me into your heart believe in me he said follow me that's The request of Jesus. That's the command. He says, follow me. He says, we have all these great things. I'm not saying all that stuff was bad. Jesus did it on multiple occasions. I want you to know that there's just simply not any shortcuts into heaven. Do you realize that? That it says in Matthew 17, Jesus had just preached this. He said, narrow is the gate. That leads into eternal life. I want you to know that broad is the way that most people are going to follow. This is the words of Jesus. He's saying, listen, listen. You need to follow that narrow gate. Not everybody's going to find it. Not everybody fits into the boat. You see, Jesus got into a boat. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. If I don't fall and break my neck. Then I want you to, if I fall and break my neck, just as a, as a clause, somebody come pray for me. <laughs> I need to be, I fell down the steps the other day. Y'all were, most of y'all were here, so I'm really kind of pushing the limits of uh, what I can do. But there's no shortcuts to heaven, and, and Jesus understood that. You see, he doesn't, Jesus himself wasn't into this easy believism. He wasn't into just big crowds. Do you realize that every time Jesus got a big crowd together, he did everything that he could possibly do to minister to the crowd and to flake off all the flakes? Come on, do you realize that even the disciples were challenged when Jesus said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh. Come on, that's a hard saying, they said, Jesus. Jesus, what are you talking about, man? But you got a knife and a fork? I mean, if that's what it takes. That's a a little bit of a stretch. You see, but what Jesus was saying, you have to be totally committed to me. It's more than just believing. There's no shortcuts to eternity. Jesus wants you to follow him. He wants you to transform your mind. He wants us to be renewed in our calling renewed in our purpose i believe that god has great things in store for each and every one of you as we are willing to follow him into the depths we i can't guarantee you where that's going to go or what that's going to look like but that's not what it's about so we see here we have two instances in matthew chapter chapter 8 and we'll go through that it says we have a scribe and as most of you know a certain scribe this was a man who was very learned of the law in fact Many times the scribes had, had all of the book of the law and the book of the prophets and the history books, most of them actually memorized. So I want you to think about that. They were the person that people would go to and say, man, you remember that scripture verse that talks about, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, I think it was like Ezekiel, and he was like talking about the, the breathing on the dead bones, and the scribe would be like, yeah, man, that's, that's Ezekiel. Uh, they didn't have chapters and verses then, but he knew exactly where that was. And he was, he was a, a a trusted advisor to the ministers of the day, that described he knew the word, he knew the truth, he knew the purpose, he knew all the prophecies that pointed to Jesus Christ. And the scribe, uh, the very one who studied the word, said this has got to be the Messiah. Look at all the things that he's doing. All these, these messianic prophecies that are being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You realize that, that for one person just to fulfill ten of the messianic prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, is totally 100% you got a better chance of winning the lottery twice. Think about that. Without even buying a ticket. And the scribe, and Jesus fulfilled some 300 plus messianic prophecies. Come on, this scribe knew who Jesus was. It was undeniable. He was learned and he knew the scriptures. He saw the promises. But Jesus knew his heart. And the scribe says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, yeah, but foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, many of many people interpret that. They say, well, Jesus lived in poverty. He was poor. Yeah, I want you to know that that's probably possible. But I want you to also recognize that Jesus also had a mission to accomplish. And there's a time for rest and there's a time for work. Come on. And Jesus said, look. If you follow me, that there's work. This isn't a time of rest. This isn't a time of peace. This isn't a time to just kind of sit back and wait for things to happen. This is a time for us to accomplish the mission of God in our lives. That Jesus has a purpose for you. If you follow me, there's no rest for the weary. If you follow me, when you put your hand to that plow, that if you even look back, you're not worthy of the calling that he has on your life. I'm here to tell you here this morning, listen, I'm not really... I love that all of us are here, don't get me wrong, but I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you with a challenge that if you're not following Jesus with everything that you are, then I want you to know that you are selling short the purposes of your life. Many people can't walk in the truth of what God's called them to because they don't walk in the truth of what God's called them to. Come on, we want to have an overcoming life, but are we willing to walk in overcoming Man, I remember listening to a, a, a testimony here a few, a few uh, weeks back of, of Pastor R.S. King, and many of y'all remember Pastor King and, and, and Barry Thompson. And, and Pastor King would always encourage Barry Thompson, who's the founder of KAJN Radio. He said, he said Brother Barry, he said, I want you to know that, that, that whatever you put your mind to, whatever you want to do, he said, I want you to just do it with everything that you are. Hold nothing back from the calling that God has for your life. And I want you to know that that God is faithful to honor that. God is faithful to to bring peace in that storm whenever we're willing to call on Him in the storm. Come on, we, we, we can't sell ourselves short from following Jesus. Come on, it's not enough to believe It's not enough to confess. I want you to know that Jesus called us to be radical Jesus followers. We need to understand that it's not about knowing the text. It's not about knowing the word. Yes, that's part of it. But we need to be willing to get in the boat with Jesus when he says, let's go to the other side. Following Jesus is less about finding peace and more about finding purpose. See, Jesus never settled for a simple existence or the status quo. Jesus says, I've done my part. You see, I think that Jesus on that day, he was saying, you know, don't sell yourself short for what I'm doing today. He says, I want you to begin to latch on to what God's going to be doing through you whenever I come back. You see here that Jesus had a mission. His mission wasn't to come and overcome the world through simple miracles and through simple healing. That he came to overcome the the world through the work of the cross and the resurrection, that he cannot just come to be, uh, to be Jesus, but he can come to be and dwell in each and every one of us. Whatever it is that God's called us to do, we need to begin to set our feet to that calling. Just the same way that this scribe that Jesus was talking to. He says, foxes, they have holes, they have places to rest. I want you to know that me, I'm the son of man. I have no rest until I accomplish my mission. Come on, I want you to begin to run after those things that God's called you to with everything that you have, with everything that you are. I'm not saying it can be ministry, but how many of you recognize that some of us, our ministry is our marriage? Come on, if your marriage is on the rocks, if your marriage is on the edge, I want you to run with everything you possibly can towards your wife or to your husband and begin to just devour the word of God, begin to talk to people, begin to pray for one another, begin to do everything that you possibly can to make that marriage work. Why? Because if you can't make that work, then you're not even capable of making the ministry work. Come on, this isn't my words. This is found in in Timothy. This is found in Titus. I want you to know that our first ministry is to our marriage our, and, our, and our families and our jobs and our schools, our careers, well, and then our ministries. God wants us to be successful in what he wants us to be successful in, not on what simply we want to be successful in. I mean, we all have high dreams, but if we can't take care of the little things. Isn't that what, G, what the, says in the Proverbs, that it's the, the little foxes that spoil the vine? Then we have here another instance where a disciple of Jesus comes to him. And he says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus says to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. I want you to know that just a cursory reading of that scripture, Jesus becomes he kind of looks a little insensitive. But I want you to know that that Jesus had a, a, a divine awareness of who he was. And he was looking for faithful followers and people who had an understanding of what their priorities were in life. And sometimes following Jesus will cost you relationships. Sometimes following Jesus will cost you jobs. Sometimes following Jesus will cost you comforts of life. Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. I want you to know that there's things that's happened in our lives that we can't go back and change. Come on, but I don't, want, don't let your past begin to determine, determine what God would have you to do in your future. Don't let the things are that we failed at in the past keep us from our success in the future. You can look in the book of Mark and the book of Luke and Jesus, even his mother and his brothers came to him. And he says, who who are my mother and my brothers? But but here who are following the commandments of the Lord are my mothers and my brothers. You see, Jesus went through an entire identity change, and that's what he's calling us to do. He says, those that do the will of my father, not those who believe the will of my father, not those who agree with the will of my father, not those who think that the will of the father is a good idea. He says, those that do the will of my father are my mother and my brothers. He said, you are my mother and my brothers. You are my family. I want you to know that the calling of Jesus Christ is a divine calling, and he's called you to so much more. We can't let our priorities get mixed up with our purpose. You see, we have to make determined. See, all these things, Jesus says, follow me. He says, follow me. We're going to go to the other side. And Jesus gets in a boat. And I believe that he's just sitting here, sitting in the boat. Now, the boat looked probably nothing like this one. But this is a Cajun boat. It's a John boat. Actually, this is John's boat. So this is John's John boat. And I believe that, that Jesus is sitting in the boat. And he's saying, follow me. He said, follow me, we've got a great thing, we're going to accomplish great things together. I know that there's a storm, I know that there's things that are happening that you have uncertainty. I know the sun's going down, I know it's scary. I know that we're leaving behind greatness, and I know we're leaving behind comfort. I know we're leaving behind relative success, but what's keeping you from getting inside that boat today? Come on, it could be your provision. Well, you know, I can't really do the Jesus thing because, eh, I mean, you know, it's going to cost me too much. My my relatives may not think about it. Come on, I've got got a history and some other religious things, and and following Jesus is a little bit too radical for me. It's a little bit too radical. They, They may say something negative about me. Maybe my job, you know. Maybe they don't really like me talking about Jesus at my job. I want you to know, you begin to live like Jesus at your job, they're going to be begging you to talk about Jesus at your job. I want you to know, you begin to walk in honesty and in character and integrity and begin to do the things that the Lord calls you to do in your work, they're going to be begging you, what is going on with you? Why are you having so much success? Why is it that people like you? Why are you so good at your job? And you have one simple answer. Jesus. Jesus gave the command to follow me. And then he got into a boat. You see, following Jesus isn't about smooth sailing, but it's about authority in the storms of life. Come on, you can go anywhere if you have Jesus in the boat. Come on, I was listening to a preacher the other day and he was telling the same story and he was talking about when Jesus was in the boat and Jesus, he comes up and he rebukes the storm. He says, peace, be still. But he came out of a deep sleep. Do you realize that? That the storm was going on. The waves were crashing. They had to wake Jesus up. And he just, he just alluded to the point. He said, you know, that you don't have authority over a storm that you can't sleep through. Come on, you want to take authority in your life. You want to take authority over the storms in your life. Then you need to begin to start seeking the peace in the midst of those storms. As J.P. had shared here this morning, that he makes a supper table in the midst of our enemies. Come on, don't you recognize that we need to find that peace? And that peace is found through Jesus Christ and him alone. Jesus, as we follow him, he doesn't promise smooth sailing. He just uh, he promises authority in the storm. It's like I, I can't get beyond this idea that they're like, Lord, save us. I mean, what were they really? I mean, think about it. It says here just at the end of this, this little passage, that they, were, they marveled, they were amazed that, that Jesus even had authority to command the storms and the waves. What were they expecting Jesus to do? Like they woke him up. Jesus, wake up. Help us, save us from perishing. Okay. You got a bucket? I mean, I don't... But how about, is that not us? Come on, sometimes we think that the storms of life, we don't understand what's Jesus going to do. I don't care what he does. I just want him to stop the storm. He can get a bucket. He can get a bell's pump. He can get a paddle. He can just calm the storm and say, peace, be still. Whatever it is, I know I need Jesus in that moment. Jesus is the way. You see, I, I believe that these these. These disciples that made that commitment to get in the boat. And many times, man, we, we, we rail on poor Peter. You know, there's another instance in Scripture where Peter gets out of the boat, he walks on water, and he begins to sink. You know, oh, Peter, man, can't ever get nothing right. The dude walked on water. What are you talking about? <laughs> these, these disciples got in the boat. They left behind the provision. They left behind everything. They left behind the miraculous to follow Jesus into the unknown, into the depths. And yeah, there was a storm but they had a plan. Come on, we need to recognize this, and I'm stealing this from my wife, that we can't let our plans get in the way of our prayers. Come on, we don't need to lead with plans and then then begin to pray into our plan. We need to begin to lead with prayer and then to begin to plan in our prayers. Come on, how many of us set out into the deep with a great plan, but having left behind the idea of praying only to find ourselves in the midst of a storm calling on the Lord? I want you to know that we need to be calling on the Lord before we ever step off. That's that's sure. Challenges are coming. We need to begin to prepare ourselves in prayer. We need to begin to prepare ourselves in fasting. We need to begin to prepare ourselves in studying God's word. We need to begin to prepare ourselves in worship. But we need to make that decision right now. On what we're going to do and how we're going to respond when that time comes. Joshua 24, 14 through 15 and. I think David had mentioned this in worship. Joshua says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Come on, I believe that that should be the prayer that we pray every single morning. Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your father served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And we need to make this declaration. But as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, many times following Jesus requires us to stop following others. That's kind of the whole point. Do you realize that Jesus, whenever he, whenever he said, hey, Let's go to the other side. You know, it's kind of hard to somewhat follow somebody when they're in a boat. You realize that? In order for the ones to actually follow Jesus, they had to get in the boat. Do You realize that once that boat cast off and there were others who who went around and they, they had other boats and they were with Jesus still. Right. But but do you realize that you can't just kind of follow somebody in a boat? It's either you're in the boat or you're not in the boat. And there's a great vast between you and the person in the boat. I, I'll, I remember this time when I was a little kid. I was maybe like, um, you know, 10 and me and my, my uncle, we went fishing. And he said, hey, Joe, you know, uh, go ahead and get in the boat. And we're going to launch the boat. I'm going to back the truck up because I was too young to drive. And I'll back it up. And he he had a rope tied to the front of the boat and he had a, the other end of the rope tied to the bumper of the truck. Right. So so as the boat gets launched, right, he could just boom. It go out, I'm in the boat, and, you know, i just kind of be there, and then I could kind of pedal my way over to the side of the boat. But it was always had this rope, this tether thing, right? Well, the problem was is that my uncle, he did a great job of tying the rope to the front of the boat. But he forgot to tie the other end to the bumper. So here I am, 10 years old, and my uncle, he backs up. I'm sitting in the boat, and, and, and you know, it backs up into the water. And I'm like, this is going great. And it, we get in the water, and then, boom, the boat starts drifting off and drifting off. And drifting off and drifting off until finally I'm like, yard, hundred yards from the boat launch. My uncle's like, uh, start the boat. I'm like, I don't know how. I'm ten. I don't know what to do. You see, that there's a great vast that comes between us and Jesus. We have to make that decision this day, whom we're going to follow. Because once that that ship sails, the ship has sailed. We we can't let our circumstances begin to make decisions for us we can't say but lord i've got all this stuff going on at my family lord you know i I got this i I mean i'm such on this career path i don't know if i can do this lord there's so many excuses why i can't follow you i mean i'm good enough to believe in you i'm good enough to know who you are but this follow stuff jesus says to choose whom you're going to follow You see, everybody wants to be in control of our own destinies. Jesus wants us, He wants to be in control of our destinies. I'm gonna ask the worship team if you can come up. You know, it seemed very strange to those who were watching Jesus as he departs this into into uncertainty. Why is it that Jesus would leave such relative security of the shore? such relative security of the multitudes, such relative success of having healed the leper, having healed Peter's mother-in-law, having healed all the people that he's done, having done all the miracles. Because I believe that Jesus understood his divine purpose and calling. It was greater than just the relative success that he was surrounded with for a moment. You see, Jesus was, was called to an eternal legacy. Jesus had an understanding. In fact, many times that he would share and he would talk to the Pharisees and he would tell them, you know, you can go pray on the street corner, said. but when you pray, you need to go into the closet, into the secret place. Because those who pray on the street corner, he said, he said, surely they'll have their rewards here on this earth. But he said, those who pray in, the, in their secret place, he said, they'll have their eternal rewards. He says the same thing about giving. He says those who give publicly, blowing the trumpet, saying, look at me. I'm giving all my alms to the poor. Look at me, everything that I've done. He says, surely those people will have their rewards here on earth. He says, but but those who give without knowing, they'll have eternal rewards in heaven. I want you to know that that's the principle that Jesus walked this earth. We hope that you found this message to be both a blessing as well as challenging. If you would like more information or to leave a comment or prayer request, please visit our website at firstassembly.place. Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly, a place to meet with God.